Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Today on Forum, we'll meet the creator and showrunner of Pachinko, the gripping new series on Apple TV Plus about multiple generations of a Korean family enduring the period of Japanese colonial rule in Korea and discrimination in both Japan and the U.S. But first, we'll hear how a mass shooting yesterday in a busy part of Sacramento, not far from the capital, is affecting the community there. The 2 a.m. shooting took six lives and wounded at least 12 others. And police say they're searching for multiple shooters in what's being called the largest mass killing in the city's history. Join us on Forum after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Families are grieving in Sacramento today after a mass shooting left six dead and at least a dozen others wounded, making it one of the deadliest mass killings in the U.S. so far this year. The 2 a.m. shooting Sunday at 10th and K Streets, roughly two blocks northwest of the state capitol, happened as people were leaving bars and clubs for the night. Police are searching for multiple suspects and have appealed to the public for information that might help find them. We look at the impact of yesterday's events on Sacramento, and joining us, Nicole Nixon, politics reporter for CAP Radio. Nicole, thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I also want to invite listeners, if you'd like to share how this incident is impacting you, you can join us by calling 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Nicole, I understand that as of this morning, all six people who died in Sunday morning's shooting were identified by the coroner's office. What can you tell us about them? Yeah, this is uh, new information within the last hour or so. Um, so the victims we've learned this morning are 21-year-old Jontaya Alexander, 57-year-old Melinda Davis, 38-year-old Sergio Harris, 32-year-old Joshua Hoy Lucchesi, 21-year-old Yamil Martinez Andrade, and 29-year-old Devazia Turner. Um, we will obviously be learning a lot more about these people today um, from their loved ones, um, working to find out what we can. We were able to speak with the wife of one of the victims yesterday. Leticia Fields Harris said her husband, Sergio, was a father of three. He loved his children. He loved life. And, and he was generally a happy person. Hmm. So you've described people ranging in ages from 21 to 57. Were they all from Sacramento? We do not have that information from the coroner's office um, today, uh, right now, but we will be working to find out, you know, more of, of what we can about, about these victims. Hmm. What can you tell us about the 12 wounded? Well, we know that at least two people were released um, from the hospital overnight from UC Davis uh, Medical Center. They say there are two other victims still in their care. Um, and we will, again, there's not a lot of new information this morning, um, since yesterday, but 
you know, we'll be working to update, update everyone on um, all that information today as the day yes. goes on. It sounds like authorities have been offering relatively few details, but can you walk us through the chain of events as you know them now, Nicole? What happened yesterday in the early morning hours? Right. Yeah. To describe a little of what took place and where this took place, um, this was just a block or two from the state capitol. Um, if anybody has ever visited the California state capitol building, they've probably parked at the capitol garage that's on 10th and L Street. Um, this shooting kind of broke out on on 10th and K Street. Um, there's video posted to show social media Um it shows this large group surrounding a fight that breaks out on the street right by that parking garage. There's suddenly rapid gunfire. The fight breaks up. People run for cover in an alleyway. Um, there were police nearby on patrol. They rushed to the scene. They began administering aid to victims on the street. Um, later, police said that they they believe that there are multiple shooters. They're looking for multiple shooters. They have not made any arrests yet. They did recover a stolen handgun at the scene. Um, and uh, again, we're told that at least uh, two of the injured victims were discharged from the hospital overnight, six people killed again, and 12 um, others injured by gunfire. That area that you are describing where all of this happened and where police believe there was more than one killer, it's an area that's been described as really vibrant, popular, a place to go have a good time. It's also just blocks from Sacramento's Golden One Center too, right? Yeah, this uh, sort of K Street corridor, um, the area where the shooting took place, there are a lot of bars, nightclubs, a, a very vibrant, as you said, nightlife scene. This was also a very busy weekend downtown. There was a concert. Um, Tyler, the creator, was was playing at Golden One Center just a few blocks away. Yep. There were a couple other concerts happening downtown. Um, we've got Wicked the Musical. There was a, a Kings game, you know, Sunday night that went ahead. So a lot of people downtown, you know, out for a good time, out to have a drink after their event, um, maybe a late night snack uh, before this violence broke out. So one of the things about this shooting is that it comes just about a month or so after a man shot his three daughters and a fourth person at a church in town. Can you remind us what happened in that incident? And are you hearing that it's affecting the way people are also processing this event with just two recent mass killings? Right. I mean, this this these are two horrific events just a month apart, and I think people are, are still reeling from and process, trying to process these two events. Um, like you said, this was a, a father who was supposed to be at a supervised visit with his three daughters at a church. He ended up walking in, shooting his children, their chaperone, and himself. Um, a lot of, you know, discussions in this community about, about the pain and about uh, violence and gun violence. I think people are are just shocked and heartbroken about this shooting. Many people on Sunday woke up to texts and calls making sure that we were okay. Um, and this for this to happen, you know, so soon after this other shooting, after a night when people were out having a good time, um, it's it's heartbreaking for people. And I think community members just want to be there for the families and for those who were injured. We are also hearing calls from elected leaders, um, from the city council all the way to President Joe Biden calling for stricter gun reform laws, things like increased background checks 
you know, bans on high-capacity magazines and ghost guns. Right now, we do not know if any of those things were a factor in the shooting. But um, we heard from Mayor Daryl Steinberg this morning on, at CAP Radio. He, he said this is a terrible event that he hopes propels great change. He's also calling for things like more investment in youth programs and in public safety in this area, things like more lighting and cameras, but leaders are also calling for just this larger cultural shift away from guns and gun violence. And that is something that will be much harder to do, I think. We've had another major mass shooting in California. This time, six are dead, at least 12 injured in Sacramento. And I want to ask you, our listeners, how do you process news like this? How are you affected? 866-733-6786 is the number. You can post your thoughts on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum. You can almost also email us, forum at kqed.org. Again, we're talking with Nicole Nixon, politics reporter for CAP Radio, and you were talking about the things that elected officials are saying. Do you think that that is going over well with the people that you are talking with in terms of what they would like to see lawmakers do, community leaders do? struggle with is that California has strict gun laws already. Um, and things that officials have said, like the mayor, um, others have, have pointed out that we're only a few hours from the Nevada border and nothing stopping people from going to a gun show in Reno, picking up a gun there with, uh, with relatively fewer, you know, fewer restrictions than they would see here and, and bringing it back to California. And so that's really why, Folks are calling for nationwide gun reforms. You know, states can do what they want, but it, it it's not stopping people from, you know, putting a little more effort to to get the gun across the border, the state border. Yeah, I am struck by um, Warriors basketball team coach Steve Kerr. Last night, the Kings hosted the Warriors at Golden One Center, where he made a comment about basically having done maybe nine or 10 moments of silence before games because there was a mass killing in the area and the point that he doesn't feel like moments of silence are going to do anything and that at some point our government has to decide whether or not it's going to do common sense gun laws. Do you feel like that is sort of a, a general sentiment too, just in terms of the frustration about gun violence becoming something that just feels like an endemic issue, um, an intractable issue. Absolutely. Um, you know, nine to 10 moments of silence. Uh, I think that was a, a pretty poignant statement. The interim coach for the Sacramento Kings, Alvin Gentry made a similar point, um, you know, calling for tighter gun laws. This isn't something you often see from sports figures, you know, speaking out about automatic weapons and, and how easy it is to access guns. Um, but I went to, I stopped by the Golden One Center last night before the game. Um, there were a lot of people heading into the stadium. I talked to a few people who said that, you know, they weighed or whether or not to come, uh, come out for the game, but they felt like the security was there in this area of town. They were monitoring the, the news and they said they felt safe. And they also said that they didn't feel like they should um, put all their plans on hold. And, you know, they were definitely grieving and, and thinking of the families, but uh, they wanted to balance that with, with living their own lives. So, Nicole, before I let you go, what can you tell us about the next stage of this investigation? Any more details that the police or authorities are sharing right now? 
we are not here, haven't not heard anything from police yet, but we will definitely be looking out um, for the latest from police, um, any updates on this investigation, suspects, um, and trying to learn more about the victims from their families and loved ones. Yeah, police chief Kathy Lester said that they are very early in this investigation, calling it a really complex and complicated investigation, a complex and complicated scene that police came upon. So first, what can you tell us about Police Chief Lester, because I understand she hasn't actually been in that role for that long. Right. Well, she's been on the Sacramento Police Force for 27 years. She says she is uh, just a, a few, just weeks into this role as police chief. Um, uh, the investigation, though, she said it is complex, and and you can see that the street just opened this morning. Um, more than 24 hours had passed before they opened the streets. Um, they were had evidence markers had these streets closed um, for a very long time to make sure that they, you know, were getting all the information they needed. Well, Nicole Nixon, really appreciate your reporting. Thank you so much. We're talking about the shooting in downtown Sacramento early Sunday that left six dead and 12 wounded. My thanks to Nicole Nixon, politics reporter for Cap Radio, for giving us an update. After the break, we'll have Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg with us and also Barry Axius, who runs Voice of the Youth, the Sacramento Youth Mentor and Leadership Program. So stay with us for that. You're listening to Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Sacramento police are searching for multiple suspects. In a mass shooting in the city's downtown early Sunday, it killed six people, wounded 12 other people. And we're learning this hour how it affects people in Sacramento. And joining me now is Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg. Mayor Steinberg, thanks so much for being with us. Always good to be with you, even under these circumstances. Yes, under these circumstances. I know that you've been on the scene. You've been working with community advocates and aid groups. What can you tell us about how your city is processing this latest trauma? Well, this is a a terrible event. And, you know, but it's not just a terrible event. It's an unacceptable event. Um, You know, I said yesterday that thoughts and prayers are the, the first reaction. And, of course, they're appropriate because uh, these are real people with real families and real communities, and that's where our heart goes out. But thoughts and prayers are not enough 
Uh, it's not enough. It's, it forces us all to look inside as leaders uh, and as a community and ask, what can we continue to do? Because we've been at it, but what can we continue to do to enhance our efforts to minimize the chance that this sort of thing happens again? And of course, it's not random, uh, but on the other hand, you can't predict uh, where something like this will occur. And of course, guns um, and, and violence are a, a national sickness. And uh, this may be an opportunity for us once again to be able to talk honestly about a culture which glorifies violence and which seemingly accepts the, the manufacture and sale, more than seemingly, manufacture and sale of weapons of, uh, of mass destruction. That's relevant. So then what is your answer to that question of what we can continue to do? Well, I know in our city, in Sacramento, we have set a trajectory where we are investing more resources in, uh, in youth. And of course, these were adults, but we, we always need to be thinking and acting upstream. Uh, we are investing more in traditionally disadvantaged communities than ever before around what we call inclusive economic development, uh, job training and, and workforce and uh, small businesses and affordable housing and of course, youth. Uh, but the other thing is we have to magnify and elevate our voices here because now we're the center to say, uh, to support things like what Governor Newsom has proposed, frankly, um, if it's okay for uh, a private citizen to sue uh, someone who provides an abortion, the Supreme Court says that's okay, which it shouldn't be, by the way, then it ought to be okay for the community to be able to go after financially the manufacturers of these ghost guns and assault weapons. Uh, because we have the strongest gun laws on the books in California, and yet it's easy for somebody to go to a gun show in Nevada without any uh, background check uh, and to be able to come right back to California and and spread these. I mean, we've got last year, we got um, sixteen hundred guns off our streets, confiscated them. We've got to figure out a way to double or triple that um, and whatever investment it takes. Whatever intervention it takes, that's exactly what we need to do. Well, you talked about changing culture and Noel tweets, gun sales went up in 2020. Ghost guns are extremely popular too. How do we change our culture of violence? Well, it's it's a question that nobody has a clear answer to. I mean, if the, if the murder of 20 plus kindergartners in Sandy Hook did not change uh, the culture, it's hard to know what will. But I think we can never give up. We have to persevere. Um, and you know, when you get 1,600 guns off the street, you can never prove how many tragedies were actually averted. And so it is worth it um, to continue to fight this fight because every intervention uh, that prevents uh, the escalation of a fight into a deadly shooting, every gun we get off the street may be uh, another life saved. And so the, the effort is always worth it. And, you know, over time in this country, I hope in the, the, the younger generation, because I think they always teach us a lot. You know, 20 years ago, we did not have civil rights for the LGBTQ community. And now marriage equality is the law of the land. Things do change and they change for the better. And I put my stock in, uh, in young people 
uh, to change this world. Uh, we're taking it, we're fighting and taking it as far as we can. Um, but I have hope in the future. Well, we actually have on the line Barry Axios, who runs Voice of the Youth, the Sacramento Youth Mentor and Leadership Program. Barry Axios, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Uh, I just want to first lift up all the families and the victims in our city as we go through this moment of tragedy, as we heal, giving positive energy. Uh, and also to want to say that we are um, going to get through this um, unified and become even better after this tragedy. I, I so appreciate you saying that, Barry, because I know you went to the scene yesterday, shortly after the incident, and I understand that you ended up interacting with families searching for loved ones downtown. What was that like? What can you tell us about that? I'm tragic. I just actually got done um, talking to one of the victims, um, you know, mother, uh, and just remembering that that moment when she was talking to me and um, as I was um, intervening between her and law, law enforcement to allow the law enforcement to do the work that he needed to do during that time um, and her asking about her son and then me doing some groundwork, figuring out, um, you know, her, about her son. And the, the saddest part about that moment is when you know um, that there's bad news that she's going to receive, but you don't have the heart to say it because in that moment, you know, how would her reaction be? Um is it the time and place to say that right now, to give her the information that you already know? So uh, just now talking to her and, and, and just trying to help her navigate through this situation is, is, is heartbreaking because just to learn that um, this young man that died has, uh, you know, four, four kids. Yes. And I think that's the tragedy of all of this. The people that died have families of their own um, outside of the loved ones um, that are caring for them. They have their own families. And, you have a lot of um, broken families and no longer that will have fathers in the household. And these are the kind of the things that Voice of the Youth and so many different organizations like myself that do this work try to prevent. And that we are really at a moment of reckoning, a moment of reflection, and a moment of, as the mayor said, yeah, we've done some things. But I think the fight and the struggle has been for us is we cannot do these things with a reactionary um, lens we have to be able to do these things in a proactive lens, meaning that the things that we have in place, we need to give them more of, of, of the ability to stay in place. We're not talking about um, year round contracts. We're talking about full time work for this kind of work because it is a full time job um, funding to be supported for those youth um, activities where we don't have to come back to the table year in, but it's funding that's supported for years on out. And I think these kind of things in the layered of violence that we've been dealing with here in Sacramento would prove to be um, able to change a lot of things that are happening and what we're seeing across the board. Well, Mayor Steinberg says he puts his faith and, and hope in, in youth. You run a youth mentor program. I imagine you must be thinking about how to talk about this with them. Can you talk about what you are thinking about on that level, and also if you're getting enough resources for the work that you do from the city and others. The unfortunate part about this this moment, right, because we're always seeming to be in a moment. You know, we just got done losing three young girls um, last month and an, another um, advocate as well. Um, you know, that, that the death of the first mass shooting that we've seen in a long time here in Sacramento, and then to have this come back to back and have these conversations about the mental health, have these conversations about gun violence, having these conversations about when we talk about our youth, being able to be young in an era 
or in a state of the world when it seems like it's rushing your youth. It's almost saying be an adult at three, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, our young people are being exposed to so many different things. Um, we can say social media is to blame. We can say that um, society is to blame. We can also look at the households. But with Voice of the Youth and our mentorship program, we want to give young people an experience outside of what their norm is. What we were doing before this tragedy happened, we actually had a fundraiser um, to be a precursor to our big fundraiser that's happening April 9th. As when we, for uh, every year, unfortunately, during COVID, we weren't able to do it. But we take our youth to um, a college tour to get them out to not only experience college life, but to experience a world after becoming 18, a world after high school. And as we did this and was, you know, raising money to, you know, get these kids out because we're going to historical black colleges. So young people will get not only the experience of different culture, but an experience of black colleges. I thought to myself, at one minute, I was here with my young people, galvanizing, getting people to donate and trying to get to this point where we have enough money to get to the where we need to be. And now I'm here at this murder scene. I'm here at this crime scene trying to make sense of what doesn't make sense. That's the kind of work organizations like myself have to go through. We're at one minute where we're in a high of, 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 of engaging and supporting young life. And the next minute we turn around grieving for the young lives that was lost. And I think that um, triggers and says why we need so much more resources on all ends because the work is multifaceted, like the issues are multifaceted, as well as these issues that we're dealing with are generational. It just didn't happen yesterday. Throughout the nation, gun violence has gone up 100%. During the pandemic, we saw this rise. As we move forward, we have to ask ourselves, the things that worked when we had zero youth homicides here in Sacramento, once upon a time, What were those things that worked and how do we magnify it and how do we build those up and how do we resource those folks to get more resources, more access and more opportunity, just like the opportunity that I'm giving to our young people to see something different, to get out of their comfort zone. And I think this uncomfortable moment that we're in has to be a moment of reckoning that we move forward and change. Very axious runs voice of the youth. We've got calls coming in. Let me go to Anika in San Francisco. Hi, Anika. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Go right ahead. Yeah, great. Thanks. I'm so sorry to be uh, commenting on this. Um, I'm so sorry this has happened. And what it just makes me think about, just in light of everything that's been happening in the world, is that as a species, we've just lost our moral compass. And I think about the, um, I think about the, the the kids, and you know, if if. The way that I see it is change really happens in 12-step programs, and that's where we get our moral and spiritual compass back. And if we taught those 12-step programs, whether you're an alcoholic or not, doesn't matter, that we would be raising more sound adults with understanding of where they're powerless and how to turn things over and how to ask for help. And we just don't do that as a, as a society. And so I... I think that reforms are great, but I also think that they're bad data. Well, Anika, thanks for letting letting us know how you're processing this. Dorothea in Berkeley, do you want to share what's on your mind? Hi. um, Yeah, I'm thinking we need more police presence uh, at night around our large cities. 
And I was wondering, um, so that's my question, is there going to be more police presence? And then the border between Nevada and California, is there any way to monitor it more to see what people are bringing in? You know, it could be spot checks. It could be, you know, random checks, because I, I know it's a big border. Uh, those are my questions. Dorothea, thanks. Let me put that first to Mayor Steinberg. What do you think in terms of immediate uh, immediate efforts? Dorothea is asking about police checks at night, asking about checkpoints with regards to guns. Well, we are, we're adding a um, significant amount of security to our downtown, um, including a greater police presence. Uh, and they obviously play a very, very important role. But you, you can't have a police officer in every corner of a city. Uh, and it has to be a combination. Uh, and it has to be, frankly, a collaboration between uh, the police department and uh, the community, especially the community leaders like Barry Axios. I mean, it was no coincidence that Barry yesterday was not only out uh, in the community, but he was also at the press conference yesterday with the police chief. And I think that sends a very strong signal that um, it, it has to be all of us. Um, law enforcement is very, very important here. And I, I hope we've gone beyond the defunding debate here. Um, people want um, well-trained um, uh, compassionate officers uh, doing their jobs, hmm. but it has to be in combination with community leadership. And that's exactly what we're trying to do in Sacramento. Barry Axis, is that what you want? Increased police presence? And I'll, like, let's, let's deb debut the, uh, this idea because I think the, the whole defund the police um, notion, the definition had always been jaded. The reality of, of it was we were simply asking what I've been saying. We're not saying get the police give the police no money. We're saying, can we get some of those dollars as well? Can we start getting some funding for the work that we do? Because we know adjacent to each other that the collaboration as the mayor has said actually works. Why? Because when we talk about zero youth homicides here in the city of Sacramento, that wasn't just community organizations. That was police. You have your part that you're going to do organizations. Now you have your part. City leaders, you have your part. Community, you have your part. Everybody bought into it. And now you see change. And then when the dynamics of something like a pandemic happens where no one was prepared for, there comes a shift. Our fight has always been we need more funding for organizations that do the preventive work. Mm. Mind you, there were police out there and the outcome was the same thing that happened on Sunday morning. So those individuals that wanted to perpetrate this crime were already ill intent to do what they were going to do, police or not. So I think that when we always throw this notion that more police are going to solve the issue, that's where we go wrong. We have to understand it has to be a community-wide effort with both parties. But the unfortunate part has been the thing that we've been screaming. The one party that has been there initially to deal with the, the, the victims, to kind of survey the community, that's having access to be able to work in the communities with our uh, license to operate have been community organizations like myself that are less to having no funding that can initially make gratitude of great change. Okay, I, right. Go ahead, Mayor Steinberg. I was going to add one thing. Um, modern cities um, are changing in real time, including Sacramento. You know, it used to be that cities, the city role was to provide the basic services focused on police and fire and utilities and parks. Cities are changing. We are putting more money now into 
uh, what I call inclusive economic development, investing in disadvantaged neighborhoods, uh, investing in young people, investing in community-based organizations, investing in gang intervention. And the trajectory is changing, but Barry is right. We're starting and, and as a result, building better relationships and having more success but it's only the beginning of the trajectory. Cities need to continue investing more in the, the, the community leadership and in the intermediaries like, like Barry and other organizations that, um, can, that, that are helping us avoid tragedies. And um, cities are at a tipping point, but in a way it's a positive tipping point because we're redefining in real time what our core priorities are. It's no longer just the basics. Yes. So the direct investments. Meantime, Mayor Steinberg, you have people who feel less safe in their city tonight. So what is your message to them? Well, investing in young people, investing in the community is not to the exclusion of, uh, of having a robust police force that can help provide that public safety as well. It's both. It is both. And so my message is, um, of course, everyone uh, is traumatized by what happened. But the wrong response would be to retreat, would be to cower, would be to say we're not going downtown ever again. Um, you know, this weekend we, we had this week we had three major concerts. We had the theater. We had restaurants overflowing. And I think people need to take precautions. We, we are going to provide that additional security. Um, but at the same time, we want people to come downtown and live their lives. Sacramento leaders, Mayor Daryl Steinberg and Barry Axius, a voice of the youth. Thank you both. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.